This is Report Back, the San Francisco chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America podcast. Our chapter is made up of a thousand members in 16 issue-based committees where the heart of our organizing happens. This is a Praxis-centered podcast where we talk about the tactics and strategies of winning socialism with the organizers who plan and implement them. Hi, I'm Holly Severson. I'm a San Francisco DSA member. And today I'm going to be talking with Sarah Chen Small, who's also a DSASF member. And she's going to tell us about a recent event that she helped organize um, where they went uh, to a bowling alley and raised money for abortion. Sarah? Yeah, that's right. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Um, yeah, so we had an abortion access bullathon. Um, it's a national event organized through the National Network um, of Abortion Access. So it was um, a great event. We we fundraised for about a month or two ahead of time. Um, luckily, the money was not tied to bowling skill, so all levels welcome. And yeah, it culminated in a bowling event over in the East Bay, and a bunch of different teams showed up. There was about a dozen different bowling lanes going, um, and there were six or seven of us from SFDSA. And yeah, we had a great time, ate pizza, and raised a lot of money for abortion access. Uh huh. Wow. Well, that sounds great. Um, so, and uh, how did you come up with this idea? Is this something DSA has done before? Yeah. So I'm in the uh, Socialfem Caucus. That's a socialist feminist group. Um, and I'm fairly new to SFDSA, but I uh, gather from the folks in that group that they've been doing this event for a couple years now. And um, DSA as a whole, like nationally, has been. Um, pretty integral to the event. It's not uh, necessarily a DSA, you know, sponsored event, but um, chapters have always been really involved and have raised a ton of money over the years. So um, Sochrem has been doing it for a couple of years here in the Bay Area, um, and they were looking for someone new to, you know, bottom line and organize this year. So I uh, thought it sounded like a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Wow. Well, that sounds great. I, I remember when it happened and I was sorry I couldn't make it. Um so what's the strategy behind holding this type of event for this reason? Um, if you can talk about that a little bit and maybe also talk about um, more about like where the funds went and and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's really great because the National um, Abortion Access Bullathon, as it's called, um, does a really great job of coordinating folks to um, donate directly to their local organizations. So our Bay Area organization is Access Women's Health Justice. Um, I really encourage everybody to check them out. They do a lot of great work. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. It, it sort of funnels people into their geographies. So you're really focusing on feeding back into your own community. And, you know, of course, um, you know, we all know how much abortion access is under attack across the country and, you know, especially in more extremely in red states, but I think it's really important. And the event does a great job of focusing on local communities too, you know, um, with wealth inequality being what it is in the Bay area and, you know, unequal access to, um, contraceptive care and all sorts of things, you know, obviously everybody has a very different experience with accessing abortion in the Bay mm -hmm. area as well. Um, so it was really great. We raised about $2,400, I think, um, to go to access women's health justice. Great. 
And with that money, will they will they just be allowed to? How does that money work? Does the money get distributed to women who need abortions then, or do you know how they use it exactly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have a variety of programs. They have um, a health line where they give advice, you know, multilingual advice to women who call in. Um, they do some policy advocacy, and of course, do work in uh, getting women the money they need to really directly access abortion. So, my understanding is that the money goes to the organization to fund, you know, sort of across the board all of their operations. But you know, a really, really large chunk of their of their money goes out the door to women who really need, and you know, other you know, birthing folks who really need the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. That's, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. I think for those of us who are relatively privileged or fairly privileged, it's, it's hard to, to really understand how, you know, how much money an abortion costs. And, and I know there's other associated uh, things around it with like taking time off work and other things. And, you know, some of us don't have to think that much about that. But, but I have read a lot about, about poor women, women in the working class or unemployed who really have a hard time um, even having enough money and of course then horribly sometimes they have to carry a child that they don't want and <laughs> because yeah uh, it's it's pretty incredible just the ramifications of not having yeah not having the access not having the support like what that can mean and I mean it's sort of a crass joke but my friends and I you know I went to college with um I was lucky to find a really great group of uh, female friends and we all cared an awful lot about these sorts of issues and we used to joke about putting chunks of money away into our savings accounts in like abortion size bundles just in case um and it's it's wild <laughs> to sort of live in a country where that's that's how um folks who are, are impacted by abortion access are sort of thinking and preparing for not just themselves but their loved ones you know what if somebody you know um is in a position where they can't afford this and so we'd all sort of created this pact of, you know, we're all saving up just in case. And that's the great thing with these organizations is they're, they're doing that coordinating and organizing across the board for anybody who needs it. So even if you don't have, you know, a friend or a family member who can, who can do that, um, there's, there's going to be somebody there for you. Yeah, no, that's really good. I know I've donated money to the national network, I think, of abortion funds. I don't know if that's the same part of what you're talking about. Yeah, Um, they coordinate the national event and then sort of channel us into our, our local groups. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I know I've, you know, I've just donated money. I see them, see the ad in the nation every year and Mm -hmm. um, they talk about how important it is. So in, and I know, I don't know if this is getting outside your specialty about this or uh, it makes me think about hearing about all the the so-called red states, the states that are really cracking down on abortion and how they're making it so hard for women to get abortions where there's the 48 hour, 72 hour waiting period, how they have to go to multiple appointments, mm-hmm. um, you're basically trying to make it as impossible as they can for, for women to get an abortion. Do you know if any of that happens in California? Um, you know, to my knowledge, the, the rules are much, much healthier in California. Um, of course, that doesn't stop folks from, you know, picketing outside of abortion providers and even, um, you know, making threats of violence. One of the weird things about doing these events is they don't um, release the location of the bowling alley until, you know, you sort of log in with your own login and up until like, you know, a few days before the event, just to, oh, in, yeah. in an abundance of caution. You know, I don't think anything crazy has happened yet, but, um, you know, there's there's real fear around, around that. And there's a lot of, um, 
even if there aren't necessarily policy or, you know, legal barriers to the extent that there are in other states and, you know, here in California, there's still an awful lot of, you know, social stigma and, you know, anti-choice folks who will, who will make it as socially difficult as possible for people to, to get access to the care they need. Yeah, which is just really horrifying, especially when you know that wealthy women or privileged people can can always get this care and others can't. And that's just what's so galling about this um, issue. Um, but anyway, well, wow, that all that all sounds really great. And um, you've told me a lot about that. Are there some other um, things that SOCHFEM has done that may not be specifically abortion related, but that um, other initiatives you've been involved with there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we we pretty consistently do fundraising events. We have we have one coming up. Um, we're going to be hosting a happy hour at El Rio in the Mission in San Francisco on May twenty third um, for um, uh, an organization that was you know founded in San Francisco. It's um, U.S. Pros Collective or Us Pros. I'm not sure how they pronounce it, um, and it's to help support women and girls and um, in the in the sex work industry, um, and to provide help for folks who, um, you know, maybe are thinking about transitioning out of that work or who are in, you know, unhealthy or coercive situations, they provide a lot of support. Um, and I think, you know, with the, the passing of some recent legislation, it's something that's really high in our minds that these are, these are folks who, you know, um, are part of our community, but often are not made to feel that way and don't access the same resources. So we're really looking forward to, you know, doing something fun. All these topics are really heavy, but I, I would mm-hmm. emphasize that all of our events are super fun. You know, we have real discussions, but it's also just great for community building and team building. We go bowling and eat pizza and then we'll, you know, we'll be at El Rio on the 23rd having some drinks and snacks. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage everybody to, you know, get plugged in. Um, our events are up on Facebook. You can usually find them through SFDS say. Um, and yeah, it's, it's always a great time. And, you know, we managed to get some work done in the process. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's great that, yeah, that sounds like you guys do a lot of fun stuff and, and obviously such super important stuff that um, I, it's just really wonderful that there's so many DSA members and other people uh, who are organized with DSA that want to work on this sort of issue because it is so, so important and I'm sure that, you know, the, the places that get, get the financial aid from you guys or the donations really does help super important um, issues. You know, a lot of issues, of course, around women and also probably some trans folks as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just I know my language slips in and out. I'm trying to be better about it. I think we all are of just recognizing that, you know, reproductive care and um, abortion access impact folks across the gender spectrum. So, um, yeah, trying to be more conscious around that. And I think, you know, it really shows in our work and the language follows. Right, right. Yeah. And it is it is a, a learning, you know, we're all learning all the time and, you know, try to try to say things inclusively. Of course, it's it, it is all a lot of it is very new, <laughs> but, yeah, um, but it's important. a really great part of, that I've really enjoyed of um, being in Sochfam is learning from people with such a variety of different backgrounds and experience, life experiences. And everybody's really caring and really good at sort of, you know, pushing each other to, you know, be ever more um, progressive, ever more inclusive. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for a lot of the work we have coming this year. Great. Well, yeah, that sounds really awesome. I'll have to check some of those events out as well. 
And um, I don't know, is there anything else you'd like to say about any anyone to get involved? Or do you feel like that's, that's uh, about what can be said at this point? Um, yeah, I'd say just stay tuned. And um, if you want to get in touch with folks in um, in Sochfem, uh, I believe, you know, the, the calendars are all up on, um, the DSA website and we do a lot of other fun things. We do reading and sort of like book club type stuff and have regular meetings to plan. So if, you know, there's an event we haven't thought of and this is sort of sparking anybody's interest, um, we're always looking for more ways to get involved and always hoping for more people to come hang out with us. So, uh, yeah, come on through. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That's that's really wonderful and very inviting, and, and I'm sure more people will be interested. Yeah, sounds <laughs> so, great. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure. And yeah, great talking with you, and um, I will see you down the road of peace. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you around. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sarah. Thank Bye-bye. You. Hi, this is Holly again, and there were a few things around abortion access that I didn't bring up in my interview with Sarah and that I wanted to touch on briefly. As a DSA member and a socialist and someone who doesn't believe the profit motive should rule all of our lives, I believe that bodily autonomy and self-determination is important and it's critical for all people, including people who can get pregnant, like women and non-binary folks who have that capacity. For us to be able to have an abortion that's safe and legal when we need it is the only way that we can really determine our own lives. If we do not have the opportunity to do that, we can have our education derailed, we can lose jobs, and in fact, if you take time off to have a family, you actually make less, much less money over your whole career than if you don't. And so some women who get pregnant may choose to not have the child. And you would hope that in 21st century America, we wouldn't have to be saying this, but it's looking more and more likely that the right to safe legal abortion may be overturned. In fact, just this week, there were two laws passed and signed by Republican governors in Alabama and Georgia that are trying to basically outlaw abortion altogether. The case in Georgia is one of these so-called heartbeat laws that purport to say abortion should not be legal after a fetal heartbeat is detected, and often six weeks is cited as the time that that would be the case. Well, in fact, six weeks, the development of the fetus is actually, it's still an embryo at that point, and in fact, there is not a well-defined heart. So the noise that's heard on ultrasound that sounds like a heartbeat is in fact just a little electrical pulsing of the tissue in the embryo. So these laws are being pushed and, and people's heartstrings are being pulled on to be told this little baby has a heart then and you shouldn't abort it. And it's not true at all. And in fact, something that people don't know usually when asked about this is that six weeks is far before most women even realize they're pregnant. This is only slightly past when a woman would miss her period, and so most women don't even know that they're pregnant at that point. And so basically making abortion illegal from that point on effectively outlaws abortion. And this law that passed in Alabama is even worse than the Georgia one. 
In the case of the Alabama law, there are no exceptions at all. Abortion is completely outlawed, except in the case of a risk to the mother's life or a fatal fetal anomaly, which would mean that the fetus would not survive to birth anyway. There's no rape and incest exception on this law, so that means if a young girl gets raped by her father and gets pregnant, in Alabama, the legislature and the female governor there want that 12-year-old to actually have to have her father's baby. And I mean, that is just a horrific image and a horrific situation. And of course, even much less serious cases there. Also, women's lives would just be ruined in this case. And women who live there would not be able to continue education. They would not have good jobs. They would you know, be at very great risk. And in fact, what we know is that even in cases like this, wealthy women will be able to go to another state or country, if it comes to that, but a state, and they will be able to get the abortion care they need. Whereas poor women and young women and people with no resources in the working class or unemployed would not be able to get an abortion. Um, of course, that isn't going to happen, and so what would happen is we would go back to the days of illegal abortions that led to deaths, to actual maiming and death of women. And of course, that should not be acceptable to any of us. But in any case, these abortion laws, even if they don't lead to deaths, will lead to women having much less great lives, women having less money, women not getting the education that they deserve and that they may want and that would help them get a better job or have a better life than they otherwise would. So I don't think that we only have to worry about these most extreme cases. I think we really all do have to support abortion. And in our country now, it's very hard to talk about, but I believe that women who have had abortion should start talking about it to normalize it because one in four American women in their lifetime will have an abortion. And there's still this huge stigma about abortion and shame and fear, too, because actually doctors and nurses and other people who work in healthcare have had their lives threatened and clinics have been bombed. And George Tiller, who is a wonderful doctor in Kansas, was killed by an anti-abortion, gun-toting man. And so... Those of us in society, even those of us who don't need an abortion, should really support these rights for everyone. And as far as the stigma goes, I think a way to fight it is for those of us who've had abortions to come out and say that we have. And I did, in fact, have one when I was 18 years old. I was dating a man who was 20 years older than me, and he was very abusive, and I got pregnant, and I found out when I was seven weeks pregnant. And I was in college, it was my second semester of college, and fortunately, I made the wise decision to have an abortion. I knew I did not want to stay with this abusive man for my life, and I also knew that education was important. And so fortunately, I found out it's seven weeks, and I was able to schedule an appointment by the following week. So I had an abortion at eight weeks when the when the embryo was a tiny little thing, half an inch long or something. And I was very lucky in that sense that I was able to do that. 
Of course, even where I was living then, which was a pretty progressive part of the country, I had to walk through a line of protesters yelling at me and telling me that I should choose another way and not do what I was doing. I mean, maybe if they knew the man next to me was not my father, they would have been a little bit more sympathetic, but it was still extremely hard to do, but, but I knew I had to do it. And I was fortunate that I was able to do that, and fortunate that Roe v. Wade had been become the law of the land just about a little more than a decade before I was pregnant. So I do think it's very important for women to come out and to talk about abortion and for their families as well to normalize this because it's really just a part of women's health care. It's something that is a part of life and that needs to be a part of life. I mean, we've come a long way since the, the ancient Romans had infanticide where unwanted babies were born and then just set up on a hill. I mean, I think having an abortion that's early, if possible, and safe and legal is definitely a much better option. And I think all of us should be supporting it, should be supporting institutions or activities like the, the activity that we described that Sarah helped organize. And um, I just wanted to put this little bit more in at the end here because it is important to me. Um, obviously, abortion is important, and it's very important for me to feel like I can come out and say that. It's not something I've really talked about publicly before, but I do think that it's very important that we all do this now because if we don't want to head towards Handmaid's Tale land, um, we need to really put the brakes on, on the crazies that are trying to destroy women's rights and to keep us at home. And uh, that is all I wanted to say, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Please do support organizations like Planned Parenthood, the National Network for Abortion Funds, and many others that are supporting women and women's rights. Thank you. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 49 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Young Chomsky. Thank you for listening.